Welcome to that Tree Lady podcast. This is episode four. Your tree type at 14. Let's talk teenage temperament. Thank you, Piru. Welcome back, everybody. If you are raising a teen, this episode is especially for you. What do I know about being 14? Well, I have a 14-year-old in the home at the moment, and every now and again, it does feel as though I am looking into a mirror or listening to a secret recording replayed years later, and it is not always a very comfortable experience. But let's face it, it's because being 14 is not ever really comfortable. If any of us can remember, it's that phase where your legs are 80% of your height, or maybe I'm just remembering too much of my own awkward teen years, but oh, the skin, the hair the boys, the, the, the stress and, and those unexpected emotions that come out of nowhere and for no reason and don't want to leave. But we don't want to get stuck in that. We want to get dug in to the tree type implications for these years. Because wouldn't it be fantastic if we had some kind of a script as to how the teen years would likely affect our child based on their tree type because I believe we do I believe that our personality type is kind of like a a magnetic needle that points due north for the individual which becomes really interesting when their north is your south and they are 14 going on 21 ready and eager to make all of their own decisions and you don't think they should be going in that particular direction but it is simply because their needle is pointing 180 degrees away from where yours is. Your natural wiring may be the kind of wiring that makes you choose the safest, most predictable, tried and true and tested course of action. And you may be raising a 14-year-old whose true north is the road less traveled and all they care about is exploration, novelty, And maybe even risk. Maybe that is even part of their wiring. So how do we guide a child who has a certain north? Well, we figure out what that north is, provide some of what they need not to get totally lost, and then we strap in for a wild ride. So those are the three elements I think I want to unpack today for each of the main personality types and For those who are still fairly new, we use tree terminology here in in the tree lady tree house when we talk about personality. And so I will be talking about the rosebush, who is predictably prickly, the boxwood, who is also perfect, and the pine tree, who is in the forest at at a peaceful pace. Let's not call it slow because that's a negative association, but at a peaceful pace. And then we have the palm trees who are in Hawaii, of course. And if something doesn't belong in Hawaii, probably doesn't uh, register on their radar. Gives you an idea of how much fun the teen years are for them, but not necessarily for those who are trying to educate the raise and prepare them for so-called real life. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to start. Let's mix it up a little and start with the 
palm trees today. And before I get too specific about them, I want to point you to the amazing work of Dr. Daniel or Dan Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L. He's a neuroscientist and a wonderful researcher and has really opened my eyes to the wonder of adolescence and the adolescent brain and what happens in there. And when I read what he writes about that brain, I think of these palm tree kids because he says that what's going on in their brain can be summarized with an acronym, ESSENCE. That's part of adolescence in a way. But the word ESSENCE, E-S, is for emotional spark. S-E is for social engagement. The N is for novelty seeking. And the last C-E is for creative exploration. And it all put together is really this type of child. And I think this is the teenager he had in mind. And it's also true that we see many of our teenagers go through a bit of a palm tree phase when they are 14. Suddenly friends matter so much. Even to the introvert who was content to just be in his room by himself, all of a sudden not having that peer group and that interaction becomes a crisis when in the past he was just happily <laughs> by himself or she was. But here is a unique phase in brain development and blooming into a human being where an emotional spark is so important. They want to feel something. And we see all sorts of behaviors with children when they don't, in this phase, feel enough. And there is not enough to, to drive them beyond the emotional storms and moodiness, but something that is bigger than that, that creates a desire to engage with life. So social engagement was the one I already referred to, and then novelty seeking, and we see that. We, that is when your child does something and you say, how on earth could you think that was a great idea? Well, it, it only needs to be new to be an awesome idea to the adolescent brain. It only needs to, to lure and promise something that they've never seen, heard, tasted or felt before. And their brain goes, I'm all in. That's how it is wired. That's how it's primed. That's that novelty-seeking thing. Now, that's not new to you if you are raising a palm tree. That's always been the case with your palm tree. But this might catch you a little off guard when we get to the other tree types later in this episode. What about creative exploration? Well, he writes here, Dr. Zickel does, our creative exploration of adolescence is found as we push against the status quo, imagining how things could be, not simply accept, accepting them for what they are. The downside, not just conforming to life as usual, can be disorienting and stressful. And the upside is the thrill and passion of discovery. And the reality that most innovations in art, music, science and technology emerge from the adolescent mind. So he has this whole study of how many inventions were made by teens and adolescents young ones who didn't look at the world and at problems with the closed mindset that we as adults often have. Now, like I said, this reminds me of a palm tree just to begin with, because they are naturally the ones who do not look for the conventional answer that everybody else looks for. 
Now, I want to look at each one of our, our children's personality types from these three angles. What do they need so that we can be mindful to meet these needs, but also so that we can be careful and understand how the way they are kind of set up for essence, how that could, combined with their needs, potentially create a dangerous situation for our teens. And then the third angle would be how you and I can guide them through that. So that's the essence of this, your tree type at 14. So needs. Well, the palm tree from an early age needs, needs regular change. You see that by how they don't sit still in one position, how they need to move. They love prizes and surprises. So they are not the ones who cry when you suddenly jump in front of them. They laugh, the belly laugh. They absolutely love to see you come around the corner. Now, for a teenager, that changes because they don't love to see you come around the corner. They are not as enthusiastic necessarily about us as parents and what we offer. In fact, they often complain that they're bored because they need all this novelty. And we are just not interesting and creative enough to feed that need. So we typically don't get very positive feedback during the teen years. We are boring. We don't understand. Well, that's kind of universal. But the, the palm tree in particular think that we are really stuck and old. Um, in fact, I think it was a palm tree who asked her mom if she was born in the Old Testament. Um, so that's kind of how they view us. But another need that they have, a, apart from just this, this novelty and the constant change, is an appreciation for their ideas and their colorful personality. So here, one of their core needs really aligns with what we want to see happening in this phase of their lives. We do want them to develop their unique personality and to have unique ideas and pursue them. Unless you want to be the person who needs to come up with a job for your child every so many months for the rest of their adult life, which I'm sure you're not. So they have this fantastic deposit in their DNA as a palm tree to be original and creative. And we get to feed into that in a phase where their brain is more able to do that than ever. But here is a little flag for us. Because at age 14, we're usually thinking, graduate with a good GPA, make sure you get into a good college. We're starting to get really serious about, you know, the ACTs that's on the horizon. And we tend to make their life smaller instead of larger. We tend to brush off their creative out-of-the-box ideas in favor of just getting them to focus on these four pages of history or this particular problem in algebra that they have not overcome. And that is a, a vital mistake because the passion and the emotional spark and the excitement that will come from seeing these unique ideas materialize and feeling the celebration of their unique personality by those around them and the affirmation of their colorful uniqueness is actually going to provide the impetus for them to do those boring have-to things with uh, from the overflow of energy that comes from really living from their core. A, another core need is time to socialize. They really see 
themselves through their peers and they find their value when they see that they can bring them joy. And we think they just want to entertain, but it's more than that. It's really that impact for the good on the people who matter to them. And what we try and do is keep them away from their, their friends long enough to get them to do the real things that matter. But for them, this is the real thing that matters. And when we look, if we could look into their future, we will probably see them working more with people than with facts, theories, and things. They are the ones who are the people movers and shakers. And now, at 14, give or take, we should encourage, above many of the other agendas, that they hone their social skills. Now, there is an amazing novel idea for us. To encourage these kids to engage, to have conversations about the impact that they see themselves making on others, and to affirm that. And I don't think I've ever heard a teenager's parent say, something positive of how large a circle of friends they have, how great an influence they are on them, how their positivity and the fact that they're so fun to be around is joy giving to the parents. Maybe I just haven't been around enough parents with palm trees, but that is such a key thing. They need the freedom to talk about ideas and dreams. And what is difficult for us is when a 14-year-old still has ridiculous dreams, we look at them and we're like, so when are you going to realize the difference between fantasy and reality, sweetie? By now, you should know what is possible and what is impossible. You should at least understand that the idea you just pitched would take seed capital of gazillions and your daddy is not Elon Musk. But that is not a constructive parenting input for them. We need to take the opposite stance and understand that that is exactly where all the great inventions come from. It comes from a brain that does not ask, what do I have available? They don't start with a budget. They don't start with a timeline. They don't start with the limited manpower to execute the dream. They start from the top down from what is above the line and above the line is the dream below the line is the how-to and that doesn't matter just yet okay but now uh, the third part is what are the dangers that we can help them sidestep by taking all of this into account well I think having a boring life where you never do something unique is a danger to the palm tree I have seen the special light of palm trees be put out by parents many, many times. And it breaks my heart. <laughs> it really does. Because they are a gift to us. But we are trying to put them into a square box. And we lose the beautiful things they were supposed to come up with to change the world. But let's talk about danger to them, because that's the, that is a danger to them, but also to us. But what classically would be our concerns with a 14-year-old palm tree being given free reign to pursue every one of his or her needs? It is this inability to see the consequences. It is this high-risk behavior 
just because something is new, just because it's fun, just because it sparks adrenaline, just because I have an emotion, which could just be, you know, rooted in a hormone or so, or hormone or three maybe. And this is where we come in. And we come in not by holding up the red warning signs or by putting up these impenetrable barriers because we were supposed to do that when they were three, four, and five years old, more or less. But this is not the right developmental phase to be saying firm no's to everything that we think could potentially be dangerous. But what we do do is we gauge their resilience. We gauge their wisdom by asking questions such as, so what can potentially go wrong? Because you have given me a fantastic outcome and that's what I vouch for and that's what I'm going to root for. Um, have you thought about what could go wrong? And to listen as they make it up, <laughs> as they start thinking about that for the first time. And you could make some suggestions along the way. And you do that with a smile on your face and a shrug of your shoulders and a, oh, well, I don't know, maybe you don't do that as the expert on all things dark and gloomy because you will lose your opportunity to have another conversation like that if you do. And believe me, I've done that. So, And, and that is a, a big loss when you don't get to just be another sounding board. Another danger to them being palms and having the adolescent brain in, in combination is this social engagement component where they tend to do whatever the friends recommend. And if the circle of friends is not a great influence, and I don't mean they need to be the best behaved kids and the, the academic overachievers, but Kids who know who your child is, who respects your child's values and who helps your child live according to those values and their true north. That would be a good friend. Um, it's okay if they are just as palm tree and just as uh, exuberant about life as your palm tree is. But this should not be a circle of friends who are trying to get your child to to push the boundary because we are... Um, we are just wired to often socially connect with those who are not like us because they fulfill certain social and other functions for us that we don't like to fulfill. For example, the rosebush tends to be the one who kind of breaks the wind and the others can follow in the slipstream. They pioneer on behalf of the others so that the others don't have to, you know, go in with the machete into the thick bush because the rose bush has already cut that down for you so you have little things to to brush aside and you're on your way now palm trees make social connections palm trees create uh, networks and there are often children or adults with unwise ideas who would use your palm tree as a promoter to get everybody else on board and your palm tree maybe doesn't think as carefully about the consequences of what he is helping create momentum for. He's rallying. He's building a team. He's, he's calling followers who love to respond to this yes face person, this optimist. But where are they going? And that is something the palm tree doesn't always think about. 
yes, I have given the palm trees a disproportionate amount of time in this episode because they are the they are the teens who scare me the most, <laughs> to be frank, because of this wiring that is so explorative and because I, I was kind of the opposite. So I guess um, also my 14-year-old has a lot of these elements and I see the incredibly beautiful potential as well as the scary bits. Let's talk about the other scary kind of teenager, the rosebush. Remember, they are the thorns and the flowers. They are the driven ones. They are the ones who tried to grow up before they could walk. And they usually become independent and enter into this adolescent phase a little bit ahead of some of the introverts simply because they are wired for leadership. They are wired to influence in an authoritative way. And they really love being grown up. They hate being small. You see that when they throw such a tantrum whenever they're sick or tired. Because they just don't want to do sick and tired. They want to do strong and powerful and all grown up and in control control and wide awake. Because that's how they see themselves. They are the ones who kick the side of the crib until they pass out. Because they hate the sleep. You know, sleep when you're dead. Do stuff while you're still alive. Um, So it shouldn't come as any surprise that their main needs are to have a challenge and a really tough goal to strive for, to have an important task that people have to trust you for. They want permission to do things their way. They want people to admire their guts. They want reasons for the rules and the tasks that you put in front of them. They don't want to just do it because you say so. They want to be trusted when they've earned it. And they want opportunities to earn that. So think lots and lots of freedom. They want the right to be a leader in areas in which they are proficient. And they want acknowledgement and rewards when they do well. This sounds So employable to me, doesn't it? It's this, give me the job, get out of the way, I'll get this done. And that, to a large extent, is your rosebush. Usually, absolutely surprise us with what they are able to accomplish as a 14-year-old. Many of them count down the, the months until they can drive and get a job and do anything else that will put a stamp of independence on the passport of their life, so to speak. So what could possibly go wrong here? Well, there is a blind spot in a 14-year-old as to, Rosebush specifically, as to the, the fact that they are not really fully grown up. Pride, arrogance, and Overconfidence are very common in 14-year-old rosebushes. Because they are not afraid to fail, they don't pause and think very carefully about what failure could lead to. They are pretty confident that even if they fall, they will be able to get up. They do not see challenges as something to avoid, but rather as something that they will be able to jump over or tunnel under. Anyway, just because of their grit and determination. 
what is our task as a parent? Well, we should definitely treat them as the age that they present as. So if they act like a 16-year-old, treat them like a 16-year-old. They will be more mature and responsible than many of their peers. Take that into account. Because I believe the rebellion we see in these kids mainly stem from them resenting the fact that we can't see that they are different than the immature kids who are the same age as, that they, uh, as they are. That they are tougher, that they are braver, that they can handle a lot more. Give it to them because they will rise to that expectation. They, they really grow into what you expect them to become. That's the way they are wired. And they hate easy and they hate insignificant and they hate the menial. So remove that from their lives as much as you can and put realistic but tough challenges in front of them. The danger here is that you and I will put our burdens, our responsibilities and our concerns on them to solve. And what we don't understand is that this is a personality type that may mature quickly in areas of independence and, and hard work and leadership, but not so quickly emotionally. So we need to be really, really careful to pile concerns and fears and other debilitating emotional baggage onto this child just because They've learned to be the strong one. They are not emotionally ready to carry the emotional burdens of the adult world. Even if they can do the heavy lifting pound by pound that an adult can do on a, on a physical level, they cannot do the same emotionally. When we think about essence and we think about that social engagement, here's another thing to really be on the lookout for. Rose bushes are leaders, but not always tactful leaders. And the danger is that if in this phase of their life, we don't intentionally help with the shaping of how they talk to others, they can, for the rest of their lives, lose the influence that they are supposed to have as a leader. Because the most common reason, I believe, while people why people defect from a rosebush leader is because of how the rosebush talks to them. They bark, they command, they just tell, they don't ask. They decide by themselves and then announce. And they can be pretty rude in their feedback and pretty brutal in their criticism. If you hear this in your team, it is a danger to a beautifully big future that is wired into their tree type. Practically, that means that they should not shunt you around. That whenever they try any of the aforementioned techniques on you, like barking, you should be immovable and you should express it very clearly that, thank you, I hear your leadership, I hear your confidence, but that is not an appropriate way to talk to somebody whose loyalty you want. I want you to rephrase and then wait for them to do that. If they refuse to do that, you refuse to move. 
because the danger is that you will grow an adult who uses force instead of character as the main way to influence until they become employers instead of employees which they will disproportionately become <laughs> due to the way they are wired this tendency of theirs to do everything their own way could make them not as desirable as an employee as we would like and that has to be step one the best rosebush is one who first learns to do it the way they're asked to do something and then to grow into putting their own method on the table in a respectful way so what about the pine trees anybody scared of them i may have lied when i said the palm tree teenagers are the most intimidating because i, I really think the pines are and the reason for that is that they don't talk. That unnerves me no end because I want to know what's going on in their minds, especially around the age of 14. I want to know what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And both those things are really hard to determine with a pine because they are not the talkers. They're the thinkers. They are feelers, but those emotions are, are deep and long lasting and not very visible. Their needs are things like peaceful relationships, a predictable and comfortable safe place, permission to focus on one or two things, their core passion, to have a regular routine rather than this disruptive, super exciting environment that the palm trees want. They need time to relax alone in a quiet and private workspace or safe space. And even though they don't look like they want to work really hard and put in a ton of effort, they do want to do whatever means something. They want to be part of something that's bigger than them. They really need us to appreci appreciate who they are, not who they can be. And be there to be an ongoing support to them. So you can hear the relational focus and the focus on peace when you listen to these needs. And by the way, I'm, I'm reading this off the back end of our talltrees.com website where all the report content is listed. Because your child's unique report will be compiled from all of these different needs of the different tree types as the test assesses, you know, does your child have some pine, some palms, some, some rose, but these are the pure pine tree needs that'll combine with some other needs in your unique child. But let's say your child has a lot of pine. Then you may well say, well, this doesn't sound like a real troublemaker. This is a peaceful chap who's going to hang out in his room and, you know, every now and again, pop out so I can appreciate him and say, hey, you got my support. This should be easy. Now, apart from the, the challenge to get them to talk, there really actually is another problem here. And that is around age 14 into the late teen years, which now scientists tell us, you know, extending to the, the early 20s, they are supposed to make use of this priming that their brains have this priming for essence, for an emotional spark, social engagement, novelty, and this creative exploration. 
And if this child sits in the basement for all of his teen years, how is he or she going to get what this brain needs for them to fully you know, pursue their north and go make their impact in the world? So they have a few things in their natural personality type that counts against them here. I don't want to engage socially. I don't want the new. I want the stable and predictable. Emotional sparks are uncomfortable for a pine. I'd rather just feel a little numb. I don't like excitement around me. I don't like loud tears and exclamations. I want people to control themselves. You know, that's typically what we hear from a pine. And then that last one, the creative exploration, we don't often see them do that. Their definition of creative exploration is reading a new book or playing a new computer game, maybe. And the, the social engagement especially may be challenging for them. And they may not feel like going to the party or making a new friend. And we're looking at this pine tree who's, who's very low on the essence indicator on Dr. Ziegel's terms. So what is our task? Well, I believe it is to find that single spark. Because when a pine tree teenager is allowed to explore creatively pine tree style, and I'll expand a little bit on what that means. I believe there will be that moment. Do you remember when you were in love and you were at maybe a dance or something and the other person was on the other side of the room and your eyes finally met and there was you know, a beam from the one side of the room to the other and only you could, the two of you could feel it and see it and all that. Well, that moment of eyes meeting, your pine tree needs that with their purpose. They need this moment where they go, that is it. My goodness, I feel a pulse. And then you will see that. There will be a new expression on your pine tree's face that you have never seen. They will talk faster than they ever have. They will be more animated than you've ever heard them be. There will be an energy peak that you cannot miss. And then you better have a notebook ready and take that down. Because that right there is true north. And that right there is the only source for your pine that will produce the will to engage socially, the ability to feel an emotional spark, a search for novelty, not just anything and anywhere, but in this field, along the line of this thing that first gave them a pulse. And then lastly, there, they will do creative exploration. Because they are specialists and they will get better and better and better at whatever you put in front of them if it is their thing. And that means we need to allow them the opportunity to find their thing. And they don't find their thing when they are super busy and super exhausted because we are trying to make them find essence the way a palm tree does. So we're trying to push them into every social situation make them participate in everything under the sun so that they can find their thing. That's not the way. It's not push. It's not pull either. It's not threaten or bribe. Those things will absolutely backfire. It is that key word that featured in one of the fertilizer points, and that is 
support. It's just us communicating. I know you have a thing. I'm willing to wait with you. I'm willing to look with you. I'm willing to accept when you say, this is not it. Now, I will not force you to embrace a thing just because you're good at it. Even if you hate it, I will not do that. I will create time for you to explore. I will drive across the country if you say there's something on the other shore that tickles your fancy. Then we will go. I will save the money that I would would have spent on you if you were a rose bush who had to participate in everything so you can win at everything. I will save that for that one thing that may break the bank because I believe you have a north, even if it takes you a couple of years more longer, you know, a couple more years than the other tree types to find that true north. The danger when they don't is that these kids are the ones from the testimony of many parents and from my observation who are the most prone to addictions because they are locked up in that room by themselves. They possibly have lower levels of dopamine. Their ability to feel pleasure is is a little more suppressed than the other personality types. It takes a little bit more to get them excited. And that primes them for experimentation behind that closed door in all sorts of things that endanger them not just physically but also emotionally, mentally and spiritually. When we get frustrated because they just don't get going and they're just not, plugged in enough with their own life to our liking, we start emphasizing some sort of an outcome instead of the relationship. And that becomes a fatal mistake because they do everything they do from a place of connection. Or I should say they do the best that they can do from a place of connection. They need that relational foundation in order for them to be that specialist When you think of um, movies like A Beautiful Mind and that character that Russell Crowe plays, then you'll remember that he is only able to achieve this incredible feat because of somebody who connects with him, who gets him, who supports him, who loves him through all of that. Now that is what you and I are called to do for our pine tree as parents. And of course, we have to talk about the boxwoods, and we want to. Boxwood teens don't have an easy time when they're 14 because their hormones affect them more, I believe, than any of the other personality types because of how sensitive they are. Their whole wiring is such we see more colic, allergies, eczema, and other indicators of a sensitive system, digestive issues, and so forth in, in later years in boxwoods than we see in other personality types. And so we know that from head to toe, <laughs> genetically, they need things to be just right. And when your hormones are trying to figure out <laughs> how they want to behave, 
nothing, and I repeat, nothing is just right. It's all wrong. It's all messed up. And they can feel that something is off. But at the same time, they're not very connected with their bodies. They tend to be in their heads. So they don't feel well. They don't know why they feel well. They don't take care of their bodies primarily. They just work, 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 try harder, you know, beat themselves up in order to be better. Um, so they, they are really tough on themselves without taking care of themselves. And that's a very hard foundation on which to do adolescence. Now, what they would love life to give them is advance of last minute changes, a really orderly environment, having, um, you know, the autonomy to do their own work by themselves and not take responsibility for the mistakes of others to kind of work by themselves, to ask all of the questions they want to ask, to get all the complete information that they need. And this is hard if you are trying to know what tomorrow will be like and what the next challenge around the bend is going to be so that you can carefully plan for this. But you don't get all the details up front and you don't get the warning signs up front. It's not Google Maps. <laughs> I can't say, okay, here I am in 2020. Give me directions to 2025 and then I'll see all the different turnoffs and how long a journey it'll be from point A to C to D and so forth. No, it's not going to be like that. And that is hard for your team. They want exact roles and job descriptions. But how do you tell them how to be a friend? How do you tell them how to be enthusiastic about their future? There are so many roles they need to play right now that they don't have a script and a job description for. They want step-by-step -step plans. Same problem. And they need a lot of affirmation and feedback, preferably in writing. And if it's not about 90% plus, it's hard because they, they find it hard to separate them and their value from what they have produced. So here we have a teen who's hard on themselves, who have really high standards, who fear mistakes, but they're not as in control of their mind, body, thoughts, and emotions as they are used to. Because suddenly, the brain is changing, the chemistry is changing, and what was easy for me is suddenly harder. And I have these days when I can't focus, and I have times when my emotions totally hijack my rational brain, and I hate it. And the more I hate it, the more I cry, and the more I cry, the more I hate myself and it's a it's a vicious cycle it's really hard now I'm not talking about a child with depression I'm talking about a really normal 14 year old boxwood who finds it hard to find the fun what what is our role and what are the dangers well we can provide this gentle feedback that the boxwood needs meaning we can help them see what they can't see because they are so disconnected from themselves. They see all the standards and all the rules, all the boxes, all the things, lines in which they should color, but they really seldom see themselves accurately. They see all the pimples and the funny fluff on their chin and all the other things about puberty that, that's obscening. They see that fine enough. But they don't see the characteristics, the gifts, the potential, the, the beautiful choices, the, the planning, the faithfulness, the goodness, and many of the other things that just come from 
box foods almost naturally and for free. And it's our role to help them see that. Otherwise, they will form an identity based on everything that they are not. It's one of the most common things I see in boxwood adolescents is a desire not to be who they are, but to be something or someone else. And that is a grave, grave danger because these are the kids who will help us stay on the on the narrow path, on the tried and tested methods when it really matters. If there ever are nuclear sequences to activate, would you like a palm tree in charge of that or would you like a boxwood in charge of that? Hmm, me too. I would love somebody who understands that 0.5 degrees actually matters. <laughs> I want a person who understands the difference between 2.5 seconds and 2.75 seconds. And this is your person. This boxwood is your man when the details really matters. It's your woman when very careful listening and careful looking and careful watching is required. And so the world really needs the boxwood who can hold the line and hold it straight and tell us all when we're doing it wrong, even though we will, you know, frown at them, show teeth, call them party poopers, we still need them, even though that may be our response. But when we refer back to that idea of essence and we think emotional spark, well, they <laughs> emotions are not good news for them because it's not usually a happy spark. It's usually one of these explosive ones, um, explosive sadness, explosive worry, high anxiety. We see that much more often than we see exuberant joy in the boxwood teen. What about social engagement? That's hard to do if you're hard on yourself. That's hard to do when you have a pimple on your face. It's hard to do when you're constantly measuring yourself and comparing yourself. And novelty? Novelty is scary to a boxwood because novelty is that thing nobody's tested properly. It's that thing that hasn't been inspected by the expert yet. It's a thing that you haven't seen anybody else try so that you can decide whether it's safe enough to try it yourself. It's not exciting to do the new because the new you can't plan for, the new you can't be ready for. And what if you make a mistake? Because the new sets you up for potential mistakes. And lastly, the creative exploration. Well, are you allowed? Because the boxwood is the one who reads the signs when they step onto a picnic ground. I mean, who does that? You just go and you have your picnic, not the boxwood. Bikes allowed. Pets on leashes allowed. Scoop poop yourself of your own dog and so forth. And then they will announce it to everybody in the park because we have to stick by the rules because it's black and white. It's posted there for a reason. And somebody's probably watching. That's kind of the inner world of the boxwood. It's let's color within the lines. Now you tell them, no, go explore creatively. This is hard. I remember being probably about 14 and being in the South African equivalent of scouts and the favorite line of this one officer was to tell us you know when we're on these commando white camps and we each have our little tent or our little cabin she would give two instructions she would say clean this up to a level of 10 out of 10 you know inspection in 10 minutes and then she would add, be creative. 
And it used to fry my brain. What am I supposed to do? Do it right? Or, or you know, stick a flower where it doesn't belong? What do you mean be creative? And that's really what they wanted. They wanted, you know, the sheets folded 90 degrees and flat and ironed and all the uniforms we wore straight and perfect. And then they wanted a touch of flair. And to integrate those two things when you are a boxer is just really painful because flowers do not have straight lines and 90 degree corners and, and whatever I'm going to put in here to make it super creative is just going to break this perfect mold that I, I know how to do. And so if you don't have a little bit of a creative flair and you're not a right brain dominant boxwood and you don't have a little bit maybe of the palm tree creativity in there, people telling you to just be creative is people telling you throw all of the rules overboard and make it up, suck, suck your thumb and do something that you can't prove has value. That's what a boxwood hears. So for this tree, once again, because they're kind of the opposite of the palm tree, this essence thing doesn't want to really sit that well. So when we can encourage them that mistakes are okay and really make it be okay by not jumping all over them when they go exploring for the first time ever and they engage socially finally and then make some kind of a mistake. This is when you and I need to really bite our tongue and decide, well, we'll chalk that up against growth and we'll move on and then make sure your face says that too even if you have to practice in front of a mirror because when they finally step out of that super safe square space where they could spend potentially the rest of their lives when they finally do that we need to be able to celebrate just quietly just quietly no marching band or anything like that just quietly say hmm, she did it and then to her say that was brave and that should probably be enough. And maybe a little note that said, um, I know that this is hard for you. I know that taking this sort of risk does not come easily for you. But from where I stand, it has paid off and I'm proud of you. Now, you can't say all of those words because they will just wonder what you want. <laughs> because that's what boxwoods do when you compliment them, especially in their teen years. They stamp it as highly suspicious. Don't do that. Just write it down because it's black on white. They don't usually fight with that little note. In fact, they will probably five it for the rest of their lives and they will deny that they did that. But one day when they are through this entire phase and they have their regular brains back, they will tell you how much it meant that day when you expressed a belief in them and when you gave them enough courage to risk again. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. That is your tree type living under your roof at age 14. A wonderful, beautiful creature full of potential that still needs a little bit of pruning, but probably not your saw anymore. If you know what that means, we are in a phase in their lives where we are not doing major shaping of who they are. We should have done it by now, but now we are doing some of that artful finishing touches by nipping here and tucking there and we do that from a place of relationship and from a mandate that they give us and the only way we get and maintain that mandate is by understanding the fertilizer of this unique tree and by supplying it in in the right amounts at the right time and by helping them not 
be so dependent on having every single need met that they can't function in the real world where not everybody asks, so what kind of a tree are you? But that we still give them enough of that to give them a sense of value and then enough challenges for them to be able to leave that safe space, which they start doing at this age in bigger and bigger strides. And by being on the sideline still as their biggest fan. Good luck as you do this because I know you do get stung by your rosebush. I know you get the door slammed softly in your face by the pine. I do know you get called ridiculous or a freak or stupid or slow or old <laughs> by your palm tree. And I do know that there are a lot of tears that your boxwood refuses to explain, um, except for them making very sure you know it's you who caused those tears. They know how to pile on the guilt, those boxwoods, don't they? Well, whoever is in your home and whatever hybrid of these trees you are trying to get through the teen years in one piece, I would love to walk with you. So remember that you are always welcome to go to Hedy Britt's author speaker on Facebook. You can find me on hedybritt's.com. You can track me down on Instagram as well, and I'd love to connect with you on this wonderful journey in the woods. Know their design and help them find their purpose until we talk again. Bye-bye. <laughs>